We are so glad you've joined us today for our Sunday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke, so let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. Coming back here to Luke, the word tempt here is Satan is about to tempt Jesus. Um, being tempted for 40 days. The word tempt there is a word, uh, pidrazo, in the Greek. It means to uh, scrutinize. It means to test. It means to entice. This is how you know the difference between a temptation and a trial. One is to entice you to sin. A trial, a test from God, is actually to see you through that, through patience and perseverance, eyes on the Lord, so you can have more godly character. But a temptation is to entice your, your, your flesh. A temptation is this solicitation to sin. And it's always from Satan. He wants to entice you to sin. Whereas a test, a trial, is an opportunity to be proven righteous through the person of God. And that's from the Lord. And guess what? It's the same coin, just two different sides. And whether you're being tempted or whether you're going through a trial... All depends on how you respond to it. I had victory, then it was a trial. It was a test from God. He's proven you worthy. I blew it. Ah, you were tempted, enticed to sin because of your flesh. See, here's the difference. The difference is, is that when it comes to a temptation, an enticement for the flesh, that's always a immediate, it is an enticing for immediate gratification. An immediate gratification never leads to total satisfaction. It's a way you can get out of your suffering now, immediate gratification, and when you do that, you've been enticed to sin, and Satan won. Enticed to sin, immediate gratification, no, my eyes are on the Lord, and you continue to endure and persevere, and it takes time, and God brought you to the place approving of yourself in the way of testing to show the moral character, how you're becoming Christ-like. Things like that. Understand a trial that is before you. It could be years. It could be your whole life. It could be a month. Satan comes along wanting to circumvent that, trying to convince you that what you're trying to attain could be attained in a different manner and much more quickly than the path that God has you on. He'll entice you along the way. This can end now. You don't have to be going through this, but God wants you to be going through this because it's going to bring about his glory. It's going, to, it's going to promote you to be more Christ-like, to have godly character. And so it's along that journey that Satan comes to try and say, you don't have to go through that. I can deliver this much quicker this way. It's one of the reasons why Jesus made it very, very clear. He says, narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. There are few who really will go down the long, difficult way. I want to get a divorce. Okay, do you think that's from the Lord? Or do you think that's from Satan? Why do you want to go, well, this is really hard. Yeah, it is hard. You know why it's hard? It's so God can change you. And if you allow for him to do that, you know what's going to happen with your, with your marriage? It's going to end up being blessed. Talk to those that have been married for a long time with their eyes on the Lord. They'll tell you they've had difficulties. But it's through those difficulties and praying together and going through them together, but they're now in a place where they can look at their relationships that that is blessed. But Satan will come along during that trek and say, just divorce it, get rid of him, man. Then you can be with this guy. You can be with this girl. You can do that really quick. I can make this happen real quick. Yeah, you can. But guess what? 
That's because your eyes are on yourself. See, when your eyes are on yourself, you're being enticed, you're being tempted. When your eyes are on the Lord, you see the situation you're in, but you put your eyes on the Lord, then it's a testing, a trial, and it's a proving of your faithfulness before God. Same coin, depending on which side you turn over, is depending on the outcome of what it is that you're doing. Eyes on the Lord, it's a testing, it is a trial, it is a proving of God. You get enticed, you could circumvent it, I just don't want to have to go through this, I, I, I want to get out of it now. That's an enticement. It's a temptation of your flesh for an immediate gratification. I don't have to deal with it. If I could just, but immediate gratification never leads to total satisfaction. It's one of the reasons why Mick Jagger had that song. I can't get no satisfaction. And you won't because you jump from one woman to another. And you can't. You can only get the satisfaction through the marriage bed, the Bible says. That's God's way. It's God's way. And so, again, he will come alongside and he will try and tempt you and, 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 and make you deviate from the path that God has you on. Because the path that God has you on is long, it's arduous, it is going to be difficult. So know that. And know when you bring someone here, I'm never going to preach that come to Jesus and everything will be swell. <laughs> never going to happen. It's going to be the opposite. God's going to find out, are you just here for the benefits? Or are you here in order to be used by me? Are you here because I want to change you? Why? Why are you here? Because I'm here to tell you, it's great that you've given your life to the Lord. Now, I'm here to tell you, okay, look out. This is where things get rocky. This is where the roller coaster and those kind of things start to happen. Oh, it's just such a nice little ride coming to Jesus. And then I was like, what is this? It's God just trying to, you know, get rid of all the junk. But it's difficult. It's difficult. In James 1, 13 and 14, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Jesus brought him to a place, but he's not the one that did the tempting here. The devil did. The devil did. And if you're brought to a place where you're being tempted, don't say, well, I couldn't handle it. Well, God's word says something different in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know what? I counsel people all the time, and they tell me the situation that they're in. And it doesn't take long before I said, okay, tell me how we got to this place. And they start talking to me. And, and within a minute, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. How come you didn't do this? Well, I don't know. I just, you know, I didn't th- think about it. Whoa, this... If you did this, none of this other stuff would have happened. You're being tempted. God made a way of escape. You, you could have done this. Continue. They go on. Oh, at this point, why didn't you do this? I don't know. Continue. What about this? What about that? I see four or five different things before they got in the predicament of the end that they could have, that God had made a way of escape, and they didn't take it. A lot of times, well, I didn't know. It's like, you know, rarely do I have a four- and five-year-old in my office confessing their sin saying, I didn't know, to where if they were four or five, I said, okay, maybe, maybe you didn't. You know, you're only four or five, but you're 45. <laughs> and yet you still want to say, I didn't know. Yeah, you did. But your eyes were on yourself, and you wanted to do what you wanted to do. I was in the wilderness, man. Yeah, God brought you there, and yeah, you could have had victory, yet you chose not to. God's word makes it very clear. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. 
The word understanding there, do not lean on your own understanding. When you look at the root word, there's, there's the understanding of feelings there. Do not lean on your own feelings. Feelings are real, but they're not always right. And when you're able to see, I feel this way. Well, you know that's wrong according to God. I know, but I still feel it. All right, but you don't have to act on it. That's where maturity comes into play. That's how you acknowledge God in your life is when you feel one way, but you choose to do the other because the other is what God is saying to do. That's maturity. And you're acknowledging God. You're saying, you're my God. Yet in Romans chapter 6, it says, do you not understand that the person that you put yourself under to obey, it is that person that you obey, and that is your master. So if every time uh, drugs come calling and you go running over there, understand that's your master. That's who you put yourself under. And so when it comes to trusting the Lord with all your heart, letting him uh, direct your paths, that's by acknowledging him through how you feel, understanding those feelings are real, but I don't have to act out on that. I know what your word says, so I'm going to choose to do that instead. And by doing that, I'm acknowledging you rule my life, my feelings, my passions don't. It's going to be your way or the highway. I know it's going to be difficult. Narrow is the way. Difficult is the way. It leads life. Few who find it. So we need to understand this. And so in Luke chapter 4, verse 2, he goes on, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And understand, he's trying to entice his flesh. I think God brought him there, uh, kind of like with, with Job, you know, how, how Satan comes walking around and he goes, have you considered my servant Job? He's awesome. He's going to love me and worship me no matter what. Yeah, well, if you do this, okay, you can do that, but you can't do all this other stuff. Go ahead. See, see, see how he responded there? He loves me. He loves me. In a sense, he was just showing off Job to Satan. And I think this is exactly what God is doing with Jesus. Here's the guy. Here's the guy that I prophesied about. He's my son, and he is God. And he came from a virgin, and he's here to destroy you. Here you go. See what you could do. Because whatever you do, he's still going to worship me. Whatever you do, he's still going to obey me and me only. And it's almost like he was just showing Satan, here's the guy that's going to destroy you. Go ahead. Go at him. See how that works for you. And this is where Jesus is right now. And so we, we, we come here in, in Hebrews chapter 4, 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. There's no temptation that is not common to man, is what we saw. But there's no temptation that Jesus did not experience himself, and yet without sin. So he can sympathize, empathize with us of what it is that you're going through. I know you're being tempted for this, but I know what that temptation is like. And I'm here to say, eyes on me, we can get through this. We can get through this. And so we come to the first temptation. It's, it's the lust of the flesh is what it is. In verse 3, it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. Temptation is turning stones to bread to satisfy the flesh. To take matters into your own hand. He says, No, no, no. If God wants me to eat, I'll eat. He'll tell me when it's okay to eat. And yet, he... he he tries to um, entice him through the basic necessities. Bread, just turn into bread. Bread is needed. You need bread. It's not a want. It's not a desire. It's not a luxury. 
Bread is the base sustenance that you need in order to live. And Jesus himself fed the 5,000, the 4,000. He multiplied the fish and the loaves. Why? Because they're hungry. They're in need. We're here to meet the need. So Jesus, just meet the need. You need this. And he's, and he's coming from that angle. I mean, you know, he's not saying, because honestly, it was me. If I could turn the stones into bread, I'm not turning them into bread. Turn it into a steak and a Marie Callender pie. And I mean, we're going to change it into something. Bread? I don't think so. You know? But he's appealing to him and said, this isn't a want. This isn't a desire. This is just to keep you going. You're supposed to be alive. You're supposed to be the son of God. You want to be alive, right? And so he's, he's, appealing, he's appealing to, hey, this is a necessity. And it's not a necessity if... Uh, if God is insane to do it. And he's saying there's something higher than the basic needs of mankind, and that is the need for God and to obey him first and foremost. So he tries to tempt him with fleshly appetites. It's, it's just like when Satan was tempting Eve. And so it says in verse 6 of Genesis 3, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Hey, you need food, but you have all this other food, but you need food, hey, it's just food. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So Satan tries to, to tempt here with just that fleshly appetite um, and, and it would meet that immediate gratification. Remember? It's hard, isn't it? Fasting 40 days. I've never fasted 40 days. But it's hard. I've, I've fasted before. I think 10 days is the longest that I've ever gone without food. And that was hard. That was very hard. But you can meet the need. And I remember all through that fast, you know what? You, you don't have to do this. I would be hearing this stuff all the time. You don't have to do that. That's not necessarily for today. You have, you have grace and liberty in Jesus. You don't have, but I had already heard what it is that God wanted me to do. And so you don't have to. And you know, you've gone six days. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff when I was fasting. It's difficult. It's very hard. It's very hard. Just meet the need right now, Dave. Just immediate gratification. Then my eyes on myself and it's sin. And it's sin. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus' response is, it is written, as he quotes from Deuteronomy 8.3. It is written. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. How are you safe from the enemy? Run to the Lord. And you know how you do that? By running to the word and standing on the word and doing what the word tells you to do. Now you're not leaning on your own understanding. And now you acknowledge him, and guess what? He'll direct your path. He'll make a way of escape. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. So we come to the second temptation, verse four, verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you'll worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered, said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. I love this. Here's a different way. Look, you know in order to rule here on earth, you know how in order for the whole world to be given to you, you have to go through this very hard world where you're going to be rejected and persecuted by people and then they're going to beat you and torture you and throw you up on a cross and kill you. It doesn't have to be that way. Just bow down and worship me and I'll give all these kingdoms to you right now. There's a long road ahead of Jesus. Satan comes, just do this. I'll give it to you right now. Again. 
Certainly enticing. Immediate. Gratification is always sin. And it will never lead to total satisfaction. And look at the words he said, get behind me, Satan. When we hear that just a moment ago, Peter, as he explained to him this hard road after, go, oh, no, 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 may it never be, Lord. There's got to be another way. Ah, whoever heard that before right here with Satan? That's why he says, get behind me, Satan. And he says it again. He's going to come at a more opportune time. We saw later on after he passes all this. And he comes to him through Peter there at Caesarea Philippi. And we see it here again. It doesn't have to be that way. I'll give it to you all right now. Satan is the ruler of this world, according to John 12, 31. According to John 14, 30. According to John 16, 11, As well as the prince of the power of the air, according to Ephesians 2, 2. There's a huge debate out there if, if Satan really had the ability to give it or not because he's a you know, um, uh, because he's also a liar. But when I read the word of God, he is the one that is in control up into the point of what God will allow him to do. And it's Jesus who later on gets the title deed in Revelation chapter five. He gets the title deed of the earth, but until then it wasn't his. And so again, Satan is, he could. You worship me, I'll let you be over all these nations, but under my authority now instead of God's but I can give it to you right now. You don't have to go through all this. I'm a much better master. (laughs) No, you're not. No, you're not. Sin will always take from me more than it will ever give. And sin does give you stuff, or nobody would do it. It's obviously fun, or nobody would ever do it, you know. But it will always rob for you way more than it ever gives. And so Genesis 3, 6, again, she saw that it was good for food, and then she sees how it's pleasant to the eyes. What does the saint do? I'll show you all the kingdoms in a moment of time. Here, look. Look, 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 look. All these people could be worshiping you right now. Just worship me first. So he appeals to the lust of the eyes as well. And so we have the lust of the flesh. We have the lust of the eyes. And now the third temptation, the pride of life. Verse 9, And then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest they dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Brings him up to the temple there and says, Throw yourself off while everybody's worshiping here right now. They'll see you. They'll go, Oh my goodness, what's... Wow, he's just suspended in midair as the angels come. Who is this? He must be the son of God. And you'll get immediate worship right there, appealing to what? His pride. Fame, fortune, you're the guy, you're the man, if you just do this. And so what does he do? He takes scripture out of context, which tells me this, Satan knows scripture. And he'll take it out of context. We don't have time right now, but read Psalm 91, where this comes from. It talks about the person who trusts in God, and as he's trusting in God, God will take care of him. And then he just takes this one little line out of Scripture where he says, For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So go ahead and jump off. God will take care of you. No, he'll take care of you as you are obeying him. But if I was to jump off, I'm not obeying him, I'm obeying you. You've just taken Scripture out of context. And Satan will do that. Satan will do that. So read that in Psalm 91 on your own so you know where that is is coming from. And he says, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so he's appealing to the pride of life in 1 John uh, 2.16. And then again, in in Genesis 3.6, it says, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Look, eat of the fruit right now. 
Uh, it's good for the flesh. It's, it's pleasant to the eyes. And, and, and it's desirable to make one wise. Don't you understand? You don't have to take care of the garden. You don't have to do all this work of taking care of the garden. Just eat of the fruit now and you can be just like God and nobody can tell you what to do. There's a long journey, even in the, in, in the Garden of Eden. I'm giving this whole garden to you and you're to tend and keep it. That speaks of work. They were supposed to do work, but it's good work. Man was created to work. From the very beginning. And I know we always have these pictures where they're just kind of lying by the trees and just eating all the fruit and all the animals are just, you know, all around being all tame and they're not doing anything. That's not true. There might not have been weeds and thistles and things like that, but they were still supposed to take care of and manage the earth, the garden. Ah, You don't have to do that. Just eat the fruit and you'll be just like God and do whatever you want. Again, that enticement to deviate from God's Word for immediate gratification. That's how you're enticed to sin. Satan will always attack with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And you know why? Because it works. And you've all heard the, the phrase before, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's Satan. He doesn't come up with anything different than this. this is how he, why? Because it works. The epitome of stupidity is stop doing something that works. You wonder why this football team always runs the ball? Because it's working. And they can't figure out a way to stop it. So why not? To deviate from that is ridiculous. And so, again, Satan does the same thing. In John 2, 15 through 17, it says this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, you know, Satan kind of scurries off. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, in Matthew's account, it switches up the temptation number two and three. Okay? Luke does it in this order. There are those who believe that, that Luke is, it has it in the proper order. There are those who think that maybe Matthew has it in the proper order. Why the difference? Well, for one, we do know in Luke's gospel, it talks about at the very beginning here, when he says to most excellent Theophilus, he says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand, verse 1, in order to set, a, to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses, ministers of the word delivered to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write you an orderly account. Most excellent Theophilus. And that word orderly is a Greek word that speaks of, uh, of an artistic flavor. Meaning that he is going to bring it in such a way and he has a reason for it. And a lot of times he doesn't give his reason. He doesn't give his reason. But I look at this and I go, seems to me he puts it in this order so we could see. It's the uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It lines up exactly like it did in the garden. And so, so he is going to bring about a much more artistic flavor to this than than Matthew did. And so uh, whether Matthew's order is correct or Luke's, Luke is doing it so we can can draw from it uh, a a different reasoning than maybe the Matthew and how he presents. As a matter of fact, Luke goes out of account many different times in his gospel because he's not going to set it in a narrative order like it is in verse 1 there. He's talking about verse 4. This is going to be an orderly account. It's going to be a little bit different than other narratives is what he's saying there. Neither death nor even life. 
Well, that concludes today's edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Tune in next Sunday as we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at the 5 p.m. service on Saturday. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station, right across from Starbucks. For more information about us on this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thanks again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.